This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 221. We're recording on Saturday, August 5th, 2017. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. I'm here with Jeff O'Neill. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. Saturday morning recording this week uh, for scheduling, but also it was so freaking hot here in Portland Man, over Portland. the last week. It was roasting. Uh, so, and I don't have air conditioning and you can't run a fan right in mm-hmm. your torso while you're doing a podcast. So blah, 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 <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Here is that we are. Like, is that like how Iron Man has that little thing in his yeah, chest? Right. You just install a the fan? The arc reactor. I wish I had an arc <laughs> reactor just to keep myself cool. Just an AC. That would be lovely. Yeah. It's it's actually been nice in Richmond. I don't know what happened. Like we, mm. we swapped climates and yeah a, it's not exactly what i'm looking for when we came right to that's you know, not 11 what you snow days and it's a, it was 104 on wednesday the forecast was for 109 which is like eye-poppingly uh hot that is, it's just here. alarming yeah like, it's it's bad anyway everyone likes to hear how hot let's it was talk about in the, the city weather. they don't live in well look, you know that's, we've that's, had a, that's what they that's what people come for actually. i've had a nice saturday morning already mm. uh I was running late for our podcast for donut-related reasons, which I yeah. know you and our listeners are sympathetic to. So, did that. That's cool. Um, let's get into the show. I, you had this as follow-up, and I didn't know if we talked about before. James Comey has a book deal. Have we talked about something related we to this before? We talked about the fact that he was people like shopping around a book deal. Oh, we did. Or there, okay. Yeah, okay. or there were uh, there were I lots of that. discussions about how he was, people were talking to him about a book deal or something like that. I do remember that we had a like, hey, or you know what? It was on the agenda. I'm not actually sure if it made it into a show uh, that um, that Comey was going to write a book. He didn't have a publisher yet the last time that I had it in the agenda, but now he does. Um, he's going to be writing a book for Flatiron, which is a Macmillan imprint. Um, and it's about leadership and decision making that will draw upon his career in government. So you're probably not going to get that extra juicy tell all, at least not yet. Uh, but the deal was for about $2 million. You Jeez. know what we did? We did talk about it because we were joking that he wasn't going to get like the 60 million that the Obamas got. Uh, I see. Um, I see. Yeah, I guess that's that's true. And it's uh, 2 million seems like a lot. Like are people... Now, if this was a tell-all expose sort of, I don't know, a smoking gun type book, but it's more like a leadership book with anecdotes. I don't know. I feel like I'm surprised it got that much money for the, for what it sounds like it's mm-hmm. going to be. Yeah, I think he lucked out. You know mm. that if if he had been planning to write a book previously, I don't think he would have seen a book deal with this kind of dollar right. value attached to it. Had he not had those very memorable moments in the recent hearings um, that brought him to the center. And he did talk like, I think, you know, we'll get some stories because he did talk really openly about decisions that he made related to Trump. But there are some other like, you know, sort of infamous scandally kinds of moments back in his career with previous administrations. And so maybe he'll go that way. Like maybe it's going to be just juicy enough. I don't know. But two million does seem like a lot because if it is a straight businessy kind of leadership development book like you I don't know that you're going to sell enough of them to make up a 2 million dollar advance. I mean business books do sell a lot and maybe maybe there's more we forget sometimes I think oh, how big true. of a market that is. I, the other thing I'd be worried about if I'm him or his publisher like the the pace of the news cycle is such that by the time this book comes out are we even going to care? I mean right. 
I mean, like the it's crazy. It like is. the mooch it's, was like six days ago, and it feels bonkers. like it was when the Earth was still cooling. Did so I, that's a weird. That's another weird subset of our, our news uh, landscape is how. Right by the time this book comes goes. out, people are going to be like, "Who?" Yeah, it's like J. Edgar Hoover's new memoirs. Right. Like, wait, what? I don't understand. So, uh, anyway, uh, interesting times. I mean, there's going to be a lot of book deals coming out of this era um, from a variety of different angles, I would imagine. Um, and this will be the first. I mean, Hillary Clinton's "What Happened" mm-hmm. in a way is, I don't know, less. Interesting is the wrong word. Less timely than this, um, just because this is more. What's I guess Comey feels like something that's a part of what's going on now in the Clinton uh, stuff. I'm not how, sure. I guess we'll yeah. find out what she says. It just feels right. like it's kind of like reading Al Gore's book around the 2000 election. Like, yeah, that's interesting, but I'm not sure how much it is in the current of the the river that we're swimming in right now. Yeah, we'll you know, see. Liberty and I did the fall books preview for all the books we recorded it uh yesterday and it'll air next week so if you're listening to this show and you're looking for some fall books the current episode of all the books um will have those for you but we were i talked about looking forward to hillary's new memoir and she mentioned the new ta-nehisi coats which is called we were eight years in power and i think that's one of those books that will be uniquely of kind of of the moment that led to the election but also the moment of where we are yeah right well and coats is a historian by Right, there's a long lens on whatever yeah. he's going to be writing. So that, I mean, it's also probably, well, maybe it is a $2 million advance now, but it's not trading on the same kind of buzz, I think, right, that mm-hmm. the Comey book clearly is. I, I don't think there's a question about it's, that. I do think it's a very open question how buzzy that buzz will be. Like, will the pizza be yeah. cold by the time the book comes out? Very, yeah. It's very probable. Will unless... we still eat pizza? Will there be an earth? You know, there's a whole lot of questions. <laughs> well, I mean... well, there is an open investigation, so I guess maybe if you're James Comey, you're like, I'm going to be on the news again in the next year or two. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And you you know what? I think this is one of those documents. You keep that manuscript uh, open. You send yeah. it to the printer at the <laughs> this, last... <laughs> The this last memoir is a living second. document. Yeah, I would say that there could be something that happens like the day before it goes to print that might need to get... Because, uh, you know, it could be that if there are indictments or other things mm-hmm. or uh, against him, I mean, who knows where we are? I mean, I have no idea, but there's a lot... The former director of the FBI in this kind of legal environment, this is going to be extremely uh, extreme uh, vetting here, I think. So... We'll see. Um, let's get on to our first sponsor. Anyway, interesting to follow that and see what the sales look like there. Casper. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foam creates an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. You're buying a mattress online. You're like, what? That's not how you buy mattresses. It's how you should buy a mattress because here's the deal. You can try it for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. That, that's they make it as it's, it couldn't really be easier to buy an online mattress and ref, I mean there's they've thought they know they're like this is a thing that people are going to make we have to make it easy as possible because mattresses getting them into your house alone when you don't have to worry about the mail and all this other junk is is tough enough so what Casper does is like we're going to make it as easy as to get into your room let you try it and if you don't like it <clears throat> I guess that would be uh, if you don't like the the sink is a sunk cost fallacy. I that's a problem there. They understand the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit. So, you know, it's like a home trying. I don't know if other mattress places let you do this, but I, I do know that they're not going to drop it off at your house, come pick it up, give you 100 nights. That's just not going to happen. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. It's becoming the internet's 
favorite mattress. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash bookriot and using offer code bookriot. Some terms and conditions apply there, as they always do, but go check out Casper. Get yourself a good mattress. You spend, you know, a third of your life on it. Should, you know, spend, so spend some money uh, and, and get a good one, but not for uh, exorbitant boutique prices. That's Casper. All right. So I think this is one of the stories we're most interested in this summer yeah. so far is PBS. That's where you PBS, were headed to? Yes, I was. Definitely. PBS, you want to tell, tell us yeah, what's going on? They announced an eight-part series called The Great American Read that it has also a nationwide campaign asking readers to choose America's best-loved book. Uh, it's going to be coming out in the spring of 2018, so they're working on it now. But this is designed to spark a national conversation about reading and the books that have inspired us. So there's going to be a big kickoff event in May. There's going to be a documentary that features celebrities and everyday Americans advocating for and explaining their personal connections to their favorite books. But then there will also be voting and social media stuff continuing through next summer of 2018. And six episodes of the series will explore the nominated books leading up to the big reveal of America's top 10. I think this is fun and interesting. It's cool to see PBS take, you know, a big, like, I guess a bunch of the local affiliates too will be involved. So wherever you live, if you're in the US, you'll be able to do something with the Great American Read. But I don't think that the answers to this are going to be terribly surprising. Yeah, I think it's the process is going to be more interesting than the result, right? Yes. Like what what they do with the result, because we're going to get to kill a mockingbird. I guess we don't know the parameters of what they're going to ask. Like, are they going to ask for it has to be an American book? We don't know. Mm. Right? It doesn't say here. Because if they limit it to American books, then, well, that's one set of books. And if it's not American books, that's another. Or or it can include world books, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, can you include kids' books? Don't know. Right? Right. You, do you have an oh, the places you'll go situation? Mm-hmm. Right? Just because it's, mm-hmm. you know, availability what about the Bible? Like, is, what, Yeah, what about the yeah. Bible? Excellent point. Um Dianetics, L. Ron Hubbard, like, you know, the Modern Library did a, a, they did these dual lists a while ago. One was a hundred great, they were both, they were both lists of the hundred greatest novels in English in the 20th century. I I got the adjectives in the wrong order or something Mm -hmm. like that, but that's the basic idea. And one was an expert list and one was a voted list. Oh, interesting. And there was some overlap, but then there also was like Battlefield Earth and the Fountainhead on the reader's list, which it's. The readers, whatever people mobilized, I'm trying not to judge it, even though I, my hands are, as you, you can't, that you can't see. That if, that's a different list. So, you know, do, do the Dianetics folks get out in force? They could, right? right. I mean, does how, how, PBS, can, like, is PBS applying any editorial yeah. standards to this? Like, when we've done reader surveys at Book Riot and you uh-huh. ask about favorite novels, like inevitably To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. is number one. You're going to get Gatsby. Um, you might get Beloved. You'll get, oh, now I'm You mean in the top oh, 10? You're, oh, you're going to get some Jane Austen. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah right. in the top ten, like classics mostly, things people read in school, stuff that there's a lot of emotional attachment to, and like at this point, I think people just think they're supposed to say "To Kill a Mockingbird" mm. when they get asked about their favorite book or the book they have a connection to, and so they answer that one. It comes to mind. Right. So I'd be willing to make some guesses about what would be on this top ten list. Like also, when we do these, someone inevitably is like, "Well, what about the Bible? Can I put that on there?" So I would expect people are going to ask that of PBS as well. But also, like, how 
skewed is the participation? Yes. Uh, like how skewed is the viewership of PBS, first of all? Mm. So how skewed, like what will the demographic representation be? Will we get who... any authors of color? Exactly. I mean, that, that, the over-under <laughs> is one, right? I think for right. 10... Uh, and I guess the color purple. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to even mm. think of what it, what what would it even be. I mean, I w- I would think the color purple or a Toni Morrison, probably beloved. Be, it's that's not going to be Toni Morrison book, Rebecca. It's not going to be. It's ten. This is this is big pawn stuff. I mean, may, I'd loved. Hey, I'd love to be wrong, but I just don't think it's good. I don't. I don't think she's got a shot at this particular. You don't think so? I was thinking about no. Oprah. Like Oprah has made some big classic or contemporary classic books by women of color, especially go widely read. Maybe now the color purple is definitely more accessible than Toni Morrison. Yeah. I mean, I I think think, that's the only, yeah, there's, you're not going to get James Baldwin. You're not going to get, you're not going like, to get Native Son. You're not going to get Invisible no. Man. Maybe, oh, you know what? Man. Their Eyes Are Watching God. That's got oh, the best shot. You think so? I, you, know, you think that's Their Eyes getting... Are Watching God has more of a shot than Color Purple? They teach it more in high school, in college now. I think that's that's the To Kill a Mockingbird's mm. secret sauce. As you teach it, everyone reads it in high school. Or everyone. But you know what I mean? Saying. Like, yeah. it's, it's very well penetrated into the high school syllabus. Like, you know, 1984... That's you know if it's that's one that gets on the top of the readers mm-hmm. list all the time. So that's going to be the parameters of what's allowed. But also, this is the greatest internet zerging opportunity for book world in a long time. Like, do the sad puppies come out of their <laughs> oh. graves? No, I'm serious. No, no, like, no. I just hadn't thought about the sad yeah. puppies in a while. Or 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 on the on you know not not in a trolley kind of way, but do the the green boys nerd fateria get involved? You know, and, and are like our authors going to campaign for this? Yeah, or their authors, or fandoms, who, I guess, authors yeah. that, or yeah, I was going to say that don't necessarily even have to mobilize their fandoms or even want to necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like I think Nerd Fateria, the George R. R. Martin folks, the 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 Harry Potter fans, like they don't take marching orders from the people who wrote wrote no. the books. If, if you know, if John Green or Rowling said, "Don't do that," don't I don't want my book dominated or whatever they might say to try to dissuade or minimize. An impact. I don't think it's. I think it's out of their hands as, as what happens with these sorts mm-hmm. of things. So that will be interesting. How voting and so voting and social media engagement will continue through the summer of 2018. I mean, who knows what could ha- like? How many people are going to vote? So then, what number of voters do you need to materially affect the results? That's going to be interesting to see. Is this just going to end up like a different version of the Goodreads Choice Awards, where it's sort of regression to the mean of I don't see how it can't be. Yeah. I mean I think the only thing that would that would avoid that is some sort of disproportional participation by a particular fandom. Like this happens in baseball all star. Magically voting, right? a fandom forms for Gilead and yeah, then people right, right. go wild. I, I think we are the fandom for Gilead. <laughs> I think this is the Gilead fandom. <laughs> this uh, is it. Our Venn diagram committee. is a circle. Yeah. So I, that that's in in uh, all star voting I know more about baseball R-Star voting just because I followed baseball longer. There is a fan voting element to a couple of the selections. Not the whole Mm -hmm. thing, but a couple of spots are... And often it's it's a fan community gets behind and there's one team is having a great season and they just decide that our sort of average third baseman, we're going to vote out of scale for that person. And they make the All-Star team... And they don't really, quote-unquote, deserve it on merit, but it's not about merit. It's like who who gets the most votes. So... I don't know. I, you know, I guess the other thing is like if it becomes a cluster F of zerging from fandoms or trolls or whatever, what do you do if you're PBS? If it's like 
some novella from a, a quasi alt right white supremacist, and uh, uh, their and their eyes were watching God and uh, Kill a Mockingbird and Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard, right. or like are the are the uh, author who shall not be named or his folks going to yeah, come out? Hey. For this, this would be it's, this would be the kind this, of thing it, where it does it has the feeling of Bodie McBoatface yes, and that episode of exactly. Parks and Rec where the people get to nominate the, the slogan. For, oh, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, there's just so much opportunity if the if the people at PBS have not yet considered the ways in which this voting might be gamed and come up with ways to account for that and work around it. Then I I hope someone is listening and is thinking about that now and also. You got to do the work. You're PBS. You are the people's station, all the people. You have to do some editorial work there. Like I am going to be livid if the final voting list comes out and is all white people and v- and PBS is like, shruggy man, I guess those are just the books people like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know how you do that. I mean, on the on the one hand... I kind of want to see it play out. <laughs> like, yeah, well, there's, yeah. I, that, there's the, I want to see it just play out. Like, what does this look like? Um, maybe you come up with like a list of 50 and at mm. least give people the chance to vote for the color purple and the joy luck, you know, some of the classics by by Americans of color. I, I don't, I, I just don't know how it's going to work. Like, if there's no zerging and if it's, it's going to be regression to the mean of Goodreads. If there is zerging, you know, who knows what can happen there. And then what do you do in either case? Regression of the mean or zerging both give you sort of uninteresting results. I mean, right. interesting, but maybe not what they're looking for not, here. So, not useful in the way that they are hoping it will be yeah, useful. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, or maybe maybe mm-hmm. what you do is you have, you know, kind of the judge's choice. You, you do the top 10 vote-getters, but then there's like four judges' choices. Right, something like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that would. Yeah, something like that would be good. I was wondering. I think we should put down the uh, Shinsky O'Neill gauntlet here for oh. you're gonna you're gonna pull for their eyes were watching God, and I'm gonna pull oh. for the color purple, and we're gonna see. I'm not riding for it. I'm just. I mean, I'm betting. Oh no! I'm yeah, just betting. yeah, just betting. Just that's your horse. That's what. Uh, do I have to pick my horse now? This is this is very uh, off the cuff horsemanship, which is not how you ride. Oh, you're now not to ride horses like now you're opposed to. Off the cuff horsemanship. Well, when I've got my own dignity at stake, it's a completely <laughs> different situation. Does it still sting that I won the bet about Gray versus uh, Ghost? You know, Watchmen? I think technically the jury's still out. <laughs> Is it's it? Like the, it's like the OJ jury. Just it's, it's, <laughs> just it's just, out forever. Yeah, it's. Not, I'm not sure. I think <laughs> I may have gotten recess. them a one way ticket to uh, someplace <laughs> tropical. They're, they're in no hurry. All right. Well. I'm just going to go with that then. Yeah. Your okay. horses, their eyes are watching God. Uh, I mean, it's for, and, and the, and the horses that we're betting on are if there is an author of color in the that's top who 10 it'll be. Mm-hmm. and if, if, and if it's, that's by popular vote, not by judge's choice. Cause right, that's, right, we don't know who the judges are. We don't know. These anything. are the, pre- yeah, no, if a judge swoops in, like if the, if PBS asks Oprah and she picks one. Yes. And she's like, and we've done to cat. We're like, no. Okay. Well, that's a right. different situation. Right. We'd love to hear your thoughts too about if you've got a, I hear the question for you to respond to us this week on Twitter. I mean, you can always get to us at podcast at bookride.com or, or tweet us. Feel free to do that. But our, our special question would be, if there is an author of color on a top 10 list, and we're going to say now, I'm guessing it's just American books. That's what I'm guessing what they're going to do, but I'm not sure. But let's just st- start right there. What book 
will make it, if any. Not just our choices, if you got something else. If it's the world, I don't know if that gives us anything. If it's if it's a world, does it give us any other interesting candidates for an author of color that I mean, Marquez, A Hundred Years of Solitude? Oh, that's not gonna maybe crack. that's the in That's terms not of gonna like go over above their wiser watching the color familiar purple, to I don't think. Know. I don't think so either. Paulo Coelho. He's Spanish, oh, the alchemist. People do love the alchemist. Yeah. You know, uh, some of it too depends on how this question is phrased like not to go to methodology corner on it but what's your favorite book is a different question from what's a book you really have a connection to and that's a different question from what's a book that really made a difference in your life and those might all be like the venn diagram of those might be a circle for some people but i think for many readers i know for myself the answers to those questions yeah it are different. Um, so how PBS presents this too, because a, a bunch of that different language appears in this piece that we're reading from Deadline. Like some of it is books that have inspired us. And then it says personal connections to favorite books and down the line, they're looking for a diversity of thought, perspective and experiences of America. So hopefully that will, um, that will come through as well, but best loved, like how they ask this question is going to be really interesting. I mean, I think we're pretty confident that if it's just Americans, To Kill a Mockingbird will be number one, almost oh, yes. no doubt. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming no internet shenanigans, you know, no out-of-scale response from any corners. And if it's Open to the World, Harry Potter will be one, and To Kill a Mockingbird will be two. I don't think there's any... Uh, right. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, and then what? Get, we'll see Gatsby. We'll see... Yeah, I think Gatsby... I feel like Gatsby's taken a little bit of a dip of late. You know, there's it kind of comes and goes. Um... You know, Pride and Prejudice will be up there in 1984. Oh, but not if it's be... American. What? Oh, Pride and Prejudice, if... yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, if it's American, just depending on which way it goes, you know, Huck mm. Finn will be up mm-hmm. there. Oh, Huck Finn, yeah, I always forget about Mark Twain. Um, You know, and, and I think it's just, what if people read? You know, The Hunger Games, still popular. Mm-hmm. American. Uh, you know, if it's if it's world, we're looking at Fellowship of the Ring. We're looking at you know that sort of stuff. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I guess the next interesting question for us to find out from this will be: What are the book? Are there any constraints on what people can vote for? Mm-hmm. And secondly, what will the voting mechanism be? That's that's what will be here. And then, most importantly, which one of us will be right? Right, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm so tempted to transition right away into the next story off of this. But for first, let's do another sponsor. You ready? Okay. Uh, our next sponsor this week is The Dying Game by Asa Avdik. This is out from Penguin Books. The year is 2037. The Soviet Union never fell, so you know we've got some speculative fiction going on here. And much of Europe has been consolidated under the totalitarian Union of Friendship. On the tiny tiny island of Isola, seven people have been selected to compete in a 48 hour test for a top secret intelligence position. The Dying Game is a masterly locked room mystery set in a near future Orwellian state. If you're a fan of The Handmaid's Tale, Dave Eggers is The Circle, Susan Collins is The Hunger Games, or obviously George Orwell, this is one for you. It's a dystopia about the Soviet Union being the dominant force in the Eastern Hemisphere. That's an interesting question these days. The author drew inspiration for the setting from areas in the Stockholm archipelago. So you also have some other world geography coming into play. Avdik is a journalist who hosts a Swedish current events program and 
The Dying Game is her debut novel. I want to be friends with her now. She sounds super interesting. <laughs> um, and some of the scenes from the book are borrowed from her family's experiences in communist Eastern Europe. She sees troubling signs that the world is headed toward, quote, nationalism, isolationism, totalitarianism, and limitations of free press and free speech. And this book is a look at those things as well. So again, it's called The Dying Game. It's by Asa Avdik. That's A-V-D-I-C. It's out from Penguin Books now. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, and you can find it wherever books are sold. Thanks to them for sponsoring. The world's highest paid authors, because I mean, this is a pretty good, uh, you know, proxy for popularity, right? Um, you, I guess the difference here is, you know, Jane Austen's not still getting royalties. <laughs> uh, there's this, you know, Rick Reardon, number 10 on this list, uh, mm-hmm. $11 million last year, Percy Jackson. I don't know if there's, I think there are so many Rick Reardon books that would one of them get enough, you know, what split the vote for Rick Reardon fans? And will anyone vote for Rick Reardon who wouldn't cast their vote for Harry Potter? I also don't know oh, the answer to that. Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Can you vote multiple times for the, the thing? Yeah, and you know, uh, I never really think about Rick Reardon, but it's, I think it's one of those slow burn situations. Yeah. Like he's been popular for so long. Yeah. Like, this is how he's... This isn't Dan Brown money where you get like eleven million dollars for one book. No, um, it's eleven. He's it says eleven million here for you know a Last body year. of work. Yeah, right. And Danielle Steele tied with him at number ten. She is still going. Like oh, man. Danielle Steele. This is a what like five decades long publishing career yeah, at this. Right. It, very impressive. Um, who else is on the E.L. James? Still uh, making that, still cashing them checks, E.L. James. Gotta she say. Is. The, is the last movie, I'm realizing this as I'm asking it, that you I are have not no likely idea. the best source for no this idea. answer. Has the last movie come out, the last 50? I don't like, think so. I, I, I'm, don't. I don't. I'm interested in how long the Fifty Shades book train will continue beyond yeah. the end of the films, like creating some kind of exposure there. Paula Hawkins, mm-hmm. number eight, 13 million. The, the, the train has not stopped for the girl on no. the train. <laughs> <laughs> it had. I mean, that's that one is impressive. If only because she. Well, I guess she has two books out now. Into the Water came out a month or two ago, but it hasn't mm-hmm. sold enough to mm-hmm. put you on this list. So she's. This is that's a one book. That yeah. is a one book. Uh, gravy train that is still cooking. Yeah, Daniel Steele, E.L. James. A lot of people on. A lot of people here have a lot of um, TV and movie support for continuing book sales. The one that really doesn't is Jeff Kinney. I mean, I think there's been one movie, I think, a live-action Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I'm not sure. I think there's been one. Um, but not one where it's been a lot in the movies. And Nora Roberts like just sells a bunch. But there's also TV <sighs> movies Roberts. and Lifetime stuff, like John Grisham, number seven mm-hmm. on here. There's a billion movies. Everything. His, no, his most recent book, we're not huge John Grisham personal fans here. Um, though I have to say the most recent book is selling like crazy. It's about book stealing, I think. Oh. Uh, I, I'm almost interested enough to not read it. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm almost tempted. Not Just quite to think tempted. about it, but decide not to. Yeah, I can't. There's a, there's plenty of stuff to read. Dan Brown, number four, still. Still yeah. number four with DB. It's uh, co- our, our day is coming so soon, Jeff. October 3rd, Dan Brown Day. It's, you know, it's right around the corner. I, I always feel like August to October 1 feels like a thousand years from now, but it's only like five weeks. Mm-hmm. Like that, that always strikes me. J- James Patterson, uh, let's see, people that fell off the list. I actually found this slide the most interesting one, I have to say. 
Um, Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin fell oh, off. Oh, yeah. He fell off the list. I mean, it's just been so long, man. You know, and now the, 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 the TV show has eclipsed where the books mm-hmm. are in the story. So this must just be dollars made for writing. Because it's not like George R. R. Martin's not getting paid. He's just not making book money right now, right? I don't know the answer. It does, there's no methodology on this. <laughs> there isn't. It doesn't say yeah, if no, it's no, a royalty. No, right. Oh, yeah. Jojo um, Moyes came off the list after yeah. me before you. Oh, I mean, methodology. So- All earnings are for June 1, 2016 through May 21st, 2017 before taxes and other fees. Book sales data. So it's just book sales. Just right. book sales. So not movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, and I don't know when you book a fee, like, you know, knowing what, say, Ernie Klein got for the movie rights to Ready Player One, like, he, I think Andy Weir said on Reading Lives that the typical deal was, like, you get 2% of the production budget or 4%, like, that's your fee for a lot of these rights when the movie actually gets made. So Andy Weir for Ready, or, uh, uh, Ernie Klein for Ready Player One, that's a $250 million movie. So he's cashing a $10 million check, which would put him on this list just for that if it's total earnings, I guess, is what I'm trying to trying to get around to mm-hmm. saying. Um, you know, rolling for Fantastic Beasts, other things like that. Uh, the next one that's coming, I don't know. how. I, if it's just book sales. The other one that fell off, uh, John Green. Um, oh, yeah. Has a book coming he's... out in October, so mm-hmm. that may change. Turtles uh, all the way down. I still I can't go over that that name I know. um it's i just it always feels like a reference to, you know we're just using the phrase uh yeah interesting to see i don't know that james patterson number two i don't know if we we said J, we we, we, we had our, his name in our mouth yet for this um again so many books there's not one that could be on the pbs list right you know that's in nora roberts daniel Steele, john grisham i think is like that um mm-hmm. You know, this is a list, zero surprises. Well, and I think these lists are always just a really good reminder when you're, like, especially for those of us who live in publishing, yeah. of the discrepancy between the books that publishing oh. puts forward as the darlings and the books that people love and should or should love and should pay attention to. And then when you see these lists, it's like, well, wait, what most people are reading and digging is mm-hmm. Nora Roberts and Daniel Steele and Jojo Moyes and the girl on the train and James Patterson. And also notably not a person of color on this list nope. <laughs> either, but it drives home that discrepancy between I think the places we publishing likes to live of like and these are the books that people love um, and the in any given year the novel that publishing is favoring is never going to be or hasn't yet in a year that I've worked in publishing been a, a book that lands somebody right. on this make that money list no um, I mean the, the thing I came to realize a long time ago about my own taste in books is I'm basically the movie equivalent, I'm the book equivalent of like an indie art house fan. Mm. Like that's essentially what I read, right? And, you know, I throw in mm-hmm. my Dan Browns and some yeah. other stuff from now and again, but essentially I'm watching indie indie movies or small art films or, you know, the the prestige project or the Grammy bait um, where the money, the movies that make money are the Spider-Man homecomings and, and I like and I watch those too, but I'm not, yeah. those are my, that's my Dan Brown. You know, that's but they're never going to be my favorite book of the year. It's an interesting analogy because I think we know enough about 
each other's TV and movie habits and the listeners at this point know enough too. Um, that I kind of live in the place of like prestige TV, yes. which is a little more commercial than the indie art house, but it's still pretty arty. Um, and my reading tends to go that way too. But I also, I guess now like there's a chunk of my bookshelf that's basically straight off of the Oprah network and like mm-hmm. those super soul Sundays. So I guess that's where I live. And yeah. Nora Roberts is like the equivalent of the lifetime movie channel. Um, but you can't get any more popular than the Lifetime Movie Channel. Uh, it's just- I mean, yeah, that's like the TV version is like the 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 big ticket shows are like The Big Bang Theory and NCIS um, uh, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I think there's one there. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the, the big one right now. The submarine base in uh, Portsmouth. Um, so I mean, what this? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just no, like, not yeah, at all. Books and movies and TV, like they have a there's a power law thing, and the ones that are most popular aren't necessarily. Uh, or even maybe by well, rule, there, this is re- yeah. It's all kind your of regression house, to the mean. Like all your art house stuff doesn't exist without James yeah. Patterson dollars coming in right. to Hachette. You know, like right. We recently, and and, and, and is- interestingly too, I think the art house stuff, the people that get involved in movies and TV, I think a lot of them set out because they want to do stuff they care about, but then they also have to work on this other stuff as right. well. Yeah, they, I think that cycle goes both ways. The thing that, I mean, it's so hard to even in the moment because, like, it's the water we live in, but the Harry Potter phenomenon, it just... The fact... It's just so unlike... I don't know. I don't even know how to... I still have a hard time putting in perspective. Yeah, um, I feel the same way about it. I was thinking about it recently. Like, the multi-generational aspect of this Harry yeah. Potter thing is really what breaks my brain because you've got like James Patterson has had fans for a couple of decades, but that's an adult writer. And when you have a children's series like Harry Potter, that it came out, kids loved it. Their parents loved it. Like their babysitters who were older teenagers loved it. But then the kids who first read Harry Potter, like literally are old enough to have their own children now Mm -hmm. and their kids are reading it. And we're on like the third generation of readers coming up on these books and they don't seem to be slowing down at all. Like, I don't know if we've mentioned it on this show or not that when we talked to somebody at Amazon about yeah. having some access to their data and like interesting spreadsheets and things that they have, they call it the Harry Potter problem that like if you're mm-hmm. going to do a top 10 list of anything, you basically have to pull Harry Potter out of the data or Harry Potter just dominates the yeah. list. And the fact that like it's been 20 years since the first book came out and they're continuing to just be powerhouses is just like I just don't understand it. Are they going to recast all of the movies and make another round of them in 10 years because it'll be fresh for those people, like for those younger readers with new effects? Like it seems to me that you really could. It's just amazing. Well, I mean, I think we've joked about, and by joke, I mean, we're dead serious. If Harry Potter came out next year, it would be a nuclear bomb on public. I mean, it would it'd be a cultural phenomenon that I don't think there's an there's no other equivalent mm-hmm. I can think of. No, I, there's so many Marvel movies at this point. Batman, like all those series are played out. I mean, not played out, but we just get so many of them. But the hunger for Harry Potter eight is, I, I just I, I don't know. I, and it, it does. It's, in, it's it's unfathomable. And the whole phenomenon, I think someone's going to write. I mean, it, and maybe it'll take. Maybe I'll be dead by the time someone has the clarity and the the data to do it. 
but like a book on Harry Potter from like a cultural history of Harry Potter that gets rolling involved in the publishers and the movie people like there's nothing like it I can think of in you know 20th century American popular there's, culture there's just there's, I, I can't yeah, think of anything there's like just it. not there's no comparison you know and it's interesting that you mentioned cultural histories because like uh, one of clue a book-length cultural history of clueless came out yeah, last right. year on the I think 20th anniversary of clueless as well and I've seen a bunch of like those things are happening Harry Potter is 20 years old and we're all still in it like yes it, it's not even near over. no so there's no way we anybody has perspective to zoom out and write the cultural history because like it's still happening the right. history is still being made but that's an i like that framing a lot of like well how long will we have to wait before yeah. there's enough before there's enough like downtime essentially that someone mm-hmm. can step back and look at the whole picture of what harry potter did and what it was and what it's meant to generations of readers and and of movie watchers and families like it's just create fandoms friends like it's just so mind-blowing all of the connections that that book series and that the movies have made between people and what it is in the culture, like, I feel like there's going to be, you know, hosts of an annotated podcast in the year, like, 2090 doing a show you, you, I think Potter. you could do a whole podcast series about, like, each episode's, like, just some different piece of the world. Like, you know, people play Quidditch, you know, which is mm-hmm. you run around with a broom between your legs, which, whatever, God love you, but, like, that's weird. Like that's a strange. I mean, that's a strange. Right, and like how many millions of people are running around with always tattoos now, or yeah, the Deathly Hallows, or know. people who know what house they are sorted into, but not of what house. But if you're a split house and you're a Gryffindor with the Ravenclaw well, rising yeah. and all, and there's even like I think that's a good. That's a particularly good one because you don't even have to be a Harry Potter fan anymore to know what your Hogwarts house Mm -hmm. is. Like that's enough in the just cultural water that people who have never read Harry Potter and don't intend to have been sorted and can answer the question. And it shows up as an interview question. Like we joke about it at Book Riot that if we get to interview famous authors, the two things we want to ask them are what's your favorite Beyonce song and what's your Hogwarts house. But everybody knows what their Hogwarts house is. Like whether you've read them or not, I've got good friends who have never read Harry Potter, but off, you know, with no hesitation can be like, oh yeah, I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I don't, we don't, that speaking, I mean, that's a, that's a black hole we could get sucked into right. for a million years, <laughs> yeah, but I just, it strikes me again, both it's way. dominance and thinking about how it's a foregone conclusion. If the great American read is opened up to international mm-hmm. books, I mean, it's not even, that's over, that's over. And here it's just, it's Patterson is $87 million and uh, uh, Rowling is 95 Patterson publishes a million books a year, and he doesn't. I mean, like he's an imprint. Like that's the other thing to remember, James Patterson. And then Jeff Kinney is number three with twenty mil, one million. So J.K. is quadded up the number three, quadded up, more than quadded up. Mm-hmm. And and that's you know, and we're twenty years into it. And I, I, if Harry Potter eight came out tomorrow, oh boy, it'd be fun just to guess what the sales would be. Because oh. Cursed Child sold six million copies in print. Well, and you know, like it is Harry Potter eight that the Harry Potter people want. Like that's Cursed what Child, I'm saying, right? Cursed Child. That's did what I sell. want. I'm not even a Harry Potter yeah, person, right? Cursed Child did sell a lot. There's been, you know, little other things, and she's rolling yeah, this told Beast other Harry Potter stories and, on yeah, right. Potter more, right? Like there are these bits and pieces that you can get, but like the thing that everybody wants is Harry Potter eight. 
Like that's it. And like, I mean, personally, the thing that I want is for Harry Potter eight to be a flipped perspective version from Hermione. But the thing that yeah, I don't like prequels. I can that'd be interesting. Whatever we're we're fighting about what we. But this reminds me of like the only other thing that's close. Well, and 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 I think and it it really hurts me to say this. What is this going to be? That I think it's eclipsed Star Wars as a cultural phenomenon. Oh. I really think it has. I think it has. Interesting. I just think it has. Um, and I don't I... know what metric you would use. This is just this is just you know putting my my arms into the zeitgeist and just feeling it. You know that's <laughs> what I'm doing right now. I've got the windows of the deck open, so I'm feeling very in touch with the universe and also that huge. <laughs> it's like this is there. very tactile language. Yeah, for this you, is Jeff. this is very unu- it's an unusual day, Rebecca. Um, I just feel like Harry Potter's a bigger deal now. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you do get things like random people know what their Hogwarts house mm-hmm. is who live in the same culture that refers to Star Wars all the time but wouldn't pick up you know, most of the yeah. references or many of those same kinds of references. I also, and now I'm just speculating because that's what we do sometimes. Right. I wonder how much of that has to do like with an introduction that's years long in books that you can start when you're a kid for at least several generations of these readers and be connected to in that way. Like to me, there is a difference in discovering a universe first through a movie or getting to build it in my head through books and then seeing that play out. There's something, I don't know, there's something different there. Who knows? That's an, it's an unanswerable it's question. An un- yeah, but I just, I'm just, and this would be a good thing for you, for you guys to chime in on podcast at bookwrite.com. Just not your own personal sense of what you like better, but as a cultural phenomenon, has Harry Potter eclipsed Star Wars or, or is, you know, the galaxy um, a long time ago, uh, far, far away? A long time ago is that still reign we, supreme do we need uh, any uh like parameters around this like we're not just talking about no, number flat I'm, numbers I'm of like just people who in terms movies, of cults just, just in terms of like what people like mind share you know feel connected to and yeah mind yeah, share, mind okay. share is the way to do you know and, and i guess star wars has a 20 the, the thing that made me think of it is because it feels right now with harry potter like i remember feeling in like 1994, as a 16-year-old Star Wars fan, where the original trilogy was out, and Lucas was still alive, and you know, but there was no new Star Wars on the horizon. Like there wasn't even a whisper in '94 that we were going to get um, the Phantom Menace just five years later. Like we thought that was it, and this mm-hmm. was our this was our canon, and we we're going to play video games, and there'd be other kind of books. But there was, and I, you know because I was born in this weird time between when the movies were really coming out that I could remember and the new, like, that it was kind of like Lord of the Rings to me, whereas it was kind of an over and I was a fan of it, but it wasn't a living thing besides extended universe stuff. And I feel like that's where we are with Harry Potter, where it feels like the canon's behind us, but Rowling is still writing and doing stuff, and there's Fantastic Beats, the movies, and it feels like there's potential that there's a, whole, there's a new seven-book series that could happen. Like it, oh, it totally could. You just you don't just want book eight. You oh no want like no no eight no! Eight through fourteen. I think if that the seal gets broken on that, we're getting three, four, five, six, seven again. Can we get them all from Hermione's perspective? <laughs> I mean, you, you can. Whatever you can get, whatever you want. <laughs> don't you whatever my Hermione flipped perspective? See, don't I, you I, do I, that. I think that does. I mean, I think that is interesting, but I don't think it does. I don't think it's the nuclear bomb that is 
Harry Potter 8 of like we're continuing the saga at some point in the future. That's like gray from the alternate perspective. It sells books, don't get me wrong, but it's not like it doesn't expand the universe, I don't think. But I could be wrong unless we go in some other way. Now, Harry Potter 8, which is essentially Hermione Granger and the blah blah blah, we're like maybe mm-hmm. you flip perspectives in the series. Right. Yes. You don't you don't go over the same ground. No, if that's no, what you're yeah, talking no, about. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. I don't want to retrod the same oh, ground. It's I like I in, Yeah, no, so, yeah, sorry. Flip perspective like so many definitions. Hand off the torch. The, the, the point of view torch. The Twilight fans will have to help me remember. I think it's the second Twilight book, so that would be New or New Moon. Um flips and has like story going forward from Jacob's perspective at mm. one point, and that's kind of what I want is like uh, Hermione moving forward but then maybe peppered in with her take on some of those moments because she saves the day so many times and Harry and Ron like <laughs> bumble around and would not survive Without her and Hermione, kind of this unwitting feminist icon character, in, especially in Kidlet and so many, like, uh, some, I'm 35 years old and Hermione Granger stands up as a feminist icon in, in fiction right now. So I would love to, I mean, I would go back and read the first seven all from her perspective as well to be like, look at these boys getting all the credit again, you know, mm-hmm. but um, her, like when they graduate from Hogwarts, what happens with Hermione would be, I'm here for for that like Hermione Granger the college years yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah I get because I guess the cursed child is like this weird snow globe universe Rowling says it's canon but there's still a lot of room to to move around um and that's our show this week uh thank you so much to Casper for sponsoring the show thank you so much to the dying game I read the blurb for this and it sounds I was interested even before we did this spot um by I think it's Asa Avdik I think that's what the name is. Um, Maybe you got it right. That's our show. We want to hear about um, your guesses for authors of color that might make the top 10 of the the Great American Read. I thought it was weird, too, that they announced that thing without really having the title firmed up. They said it might not be called the Great American Read, which I think is funny. And then um, to Casper, casper.com slash bookwrite. Get $50 off your order there. We want to hear authors of color. And just, again, it's not a contest. We're not voting for popularity. Just... Size and size in the Geist. Is it Star Wars or Harry Potter? Which one do you think it is? That's our show this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay, so let's. Okay.